Beaver Nation, it's time to get inside the huddle with the Damn Podcast. The Damn Podcast is your weekly ticket to Oregon State football and recruiting news. Here's your host of the Damn Podcast, BeaverBlitz.com publisher, Angie Machado. Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado, and with me as always, is Beaver Blitz beat writer Carter Baines. Carter, how in the heck are you? I'm good. Still down here in Corvallis. Stayed a couple extra days after the game. Um, getting ready to head back up to Sherwood as soon as we're done. Yeah, so um, you had a drive down for the late game Saturday, and now you're heading back down. Got ASU on the horizon. But let's uh, rewind and talk some Stanford. Just give me your quick thoughts on that game. I mean, that was one of the better games, I think. Well, I mean, all of these Oregon State games this year have been good games from neutral perspective, but that one might have been the best. Um, that was that was a well-played game on both sides of the ball from both teams. Uh, I, I thought it was Oregon State's most complete game, especially on the defensive side. Uh, I think Stanford came and and they were ready to go after, you know, their their uh, COVID situation being on the road for a couple of weeks didn't look like it had affected them at all. And yeah, both teams put together 60 minutes of good football and it was entertaining right down to the last play. Yeah. And I, I have to, I, I know I was critical last week of Chance Nolan, but I saw a huge, huge jump in him. Um, and gosh, who knew he had that big of an arm? He launched a few passes um, early in the game to Trayshawn Harrison, who got his first uh, playing time of the season at Oregon State. Um, have you ever, though, seen a team, well, it was very obvious this, against Stanford, but that had so many bounces go against them? Yeah, it's really right, unfortunate. Yeah, so mainly on the defensive side, you've got the two forced fumbles that Stanford fell on. You've got multiple chances at interceptions. Um, that pass that bounced off of a receiver's knee and then up into the air and then back into his lap then on the other side chance nolan's fumble obviously recovered by stanford that's that's just i mean chance said it after the game that's football you know a lot of times the ball just doesn't bounce your way and credit to oregon state for putting themselves in positions to potentially make those plays uh you just at the end of the day you just have to execute on them and that's sometimes it just doesn't happen yeah on that chance fumble what i saw and, and you saw it from a different angle, but it just looked to me, he was trying so hard to get that extra little bit. And it looked like he was about to slide, do a foot first slide. And then it looked like he thought I could eke out a couple more yards. And that's, you know, then he was kind of leaning in on the, on the offensive lineman and, and the Stanford player came in and, and popped it out. But I mean, it happens. And I will never fault a guy for being ultra aggressive and trying i mean he was fighting and clawing to get that extra. yeah and and i think a lot of the uh the mindset there was you know he knew the clock was running he knew oregon state had one timeout he just he said he wanted to get the first down so the clock would stop um and that's most of the time that's the right play and if there's not a defender two feet behind him ready to ready to pounce and knock the ball away then that's 10 times out of 10 what you should do um, so I, I don't fault him for being aggressive. It's just unfortunate that um, the defender came from his blind side and knocked it, knocked it loose, but you know, he's going to learn from it. He's going to, he's going to be more, he's going to be stronger with the ball moving forward. 
these are all learning experiences for chance. And we saw week one to week two, he got better. And that's just, I mean, we're going to, I hope we see another step forward this week, but um, with, with every, with every extra game of experience he gets, he's going to get more and more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I was really impressed. I, like you said, I think that was the best complete game we've seen from Oregon state this whole season. Um, defense played pretty sound. I mean, they, I didn't like, and I don't know if this must've been a scheme thing. And I think we can talk to coach Tibisar tomorrow, but um, they had the wide receiver or the DBs playing eight, nine, 10 yards off. Like Stanford had some crazy fast receivers and they didn't, I don't quite understand that scenario because it did let them make some passes that might not have been available. Yeah, I noticed that too. And I, I thought it was interesting considering Stanford's two best receivers were out. Um, interesting scheme wise, you know, I, I was really impressed with the front seven. I know we've been pretty critical of the defensive line and for good reason, but to go up against Stanford's, you know, offensive scheme where they put a bunch of guys on the line and they try to, to pound the ball to hold them to 3.3 yards per carry especially after yeah. seeing what they did to Washington a week ago, that that's progress for the front seven uh, good, run good defense point. was a, a, a point of emphasis this week. And it showed, you know, Stanford, I thought should have and could have run the ball more than they did. Um, but for Oregon state to do a pretty solid job against one of the more, you know, potent running attacks, should we say in, in the, uh, in the PAC 12, I thought, I thought it was uh, an impressive performance up front. Good, good point. I, and we saw just how important Avery Roberts is to this defense that late in the game when he went out with what we now learned was a broken arm, um, Sanford was able to, to run a little bit more. So Avery is a huge cog to that. He is out. So news of the day um, Monday is that Avery Roberts will miss this game. It sounds like Jermar is, I mean, sprained ankle, it sounds like. so. Um, Expecting him to practice as the week goes on is what yeah. it sounds like. Um, but BJ had some nice carries on Saturday as well. So um, his shoulder didn't look any worse for the wear. So the other news of the day was Colby Taylor medically retired. Second leading uh, wide receiver this this uh, season. What are your thoughts just on losing him with a game to go? Yeah, it's a big loss. Uh, this receiver room we, we have seen has some depth, has some talent. Um, getting guys like Treshawn Harrison into the mix, huge. Getting Zariah Beeson going as a true freshman is also huge. But to lose your one of your more reliable options, uh, you're going to feel that. He he came up big against Oregon. He's only a couple catches behind Trevon Bradford for the uh, for the season lead. So that's yeah, that's a big weapon that you're going to be without for this week, and then you're not going to have him next year either. So. Um, it's, you know, the, the receiver group has has had to step up the last couple of weeks with some injuries there, and I think they're going to continue to do it. But, yeah, you, you don't like to see your uh, – probably your most reliable possession guy leave the team. Yeah, just an all-around great guy. I mean, I've covered him now since he was in high school, and um, it's always a bright spot to, to cover. He always had good quotes, always a big smile. So um, I know he will do – amazingly well in whatever he does, you know, now that he, he does have his degree. So um, he's done and um, can move on now into the quote real world. Um, but I, I wish him well, because I think he is a great ambassador to Oregon state for, for, you know, the past several years. 
Um, so ASU coming to town, we don't know a ton about them. I mean, they've gotten what have we know they're they better than Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. But is 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 that saying a whole lot? Who Arizona lost 70 to 7 to Arizona State. Yeah, that's tough. 70 to 7. Now, there was a little piece of me that was hoping Oregon State would play Arizona just to see what Jamar could do. Like he could legit run up 400 yards alone. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the Colorado running back ran for what, 300 against us. Yeah. I think yeah. Oregon state got a, a bit of a tough draw getting the better of the two Arizona schools. Yeah. It, who would you, if you had your choice to play anyone, who would you have liked to play? Uh, Arizona. Besides Arizona. <laughs> uh, besides Arizona, probably UCLA. Yeah. I think, um, you know, they gave USC a good run for their money this week and they've, they've looked, um, pretty much improved this this year but I still think they're probably more towards the bottom of the south division because I, I think Arizona State's better than their record yeah yeah you know, they're only one and two right now but those those two losses came when they were still ravaged with COVID and you know they were still trying to get their season kind of on track after having a bunch of games canceled so I think they are, I mean, they're not as good as 70 to seven over Arizona, but they're definitely not as bad as their two losses. So Oregon State's going to have a pretty tough challenge here with a team that going into the season, I had as my Pac-12 South favorite along with USC. So, okay, you bring up a good point that they're better than their, you know, their win. But do you think Oregon State, I, was, I, I saw this in the lodge. Do you think Oregon State is the best two loss team? best two win team or two win sorry yeah two win um I'd, I'd have to look at who the other two win teams are but i think you'd be hard pressed to find a team that has um had more bad luck in its results than oregon state i think they could i mean obviously with with all of the close games they've played they could easily be four and two instead of two and four uh, you know they, they've been close with everybody they've had chances against everybody and I think no matter who they get week seven, they're going to put up a, a strong fight and they're going to have a chance to win. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. So ASU has to come up to Corvallis, which is supposed to be rainy and cold. I mean, if you're, if you, if you're going to play ASU, you want them to come up in November, December, because that's when, although I hear it's not super warm down in Arizona, but it's got to be warmer than up here. Herm just has such a I, – I have to just I have to tune into one of Herm's pressers because he's just so entertaining to listen to such a such a uh, personality so what i mean what's your gut we haven't done our predictions yet i mean this is still a ways out um but what's your what's your thought going in just early in the week what are, what is your thinking about how this game plays out yeah losing avery roberts is is going to be big for the defense i think especially against a team that has a pretty dynamic offense you need a guy who can can stand back there and not only stop the run but spy the quarterback as well um, and that's what you're missing in, in Avery Roberts. Jaden Daniels is one of the best quarterbacks in this league. And, he, you know, he can get it done through the air and with his legs. And Oregon State's given up a few big plays this year. And that's exactly what ASU thrives on. So it's I, I see it potentially being one of the more higher scoring games of the year. Uh, I, I do think Oregon State's offense is starting to come around behind Chance Nolan. And I think they're going to score some points. But. I worry about the defense's ability to stop a pretty good offense down at ASU that 
like I said, I, I think they're closer to the 70 to seven win that they got last week than their losses. I, I certainly don't think they're going to blow Oregon state out, but I do think that's more of the, the kind of offense we're going to see out of the Sun Devils. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how the defense reacts. I mean, you have Doug Damalau and Jack Coletto who will fill in for, um, for Avery, uh, Kyrie Fisher will probably see some time in there as well, but, um, huge, huge loss, especially, you know, he had been such a dynamic player and then no David Morris as well. So you, which the Beavs haven't, to be fair, have not had him much of the season, but he does kind of bring that extra element there. But like you said, this season has been so weird and wacky and wild. Um, I, I think it's time that, I mean, I, as a fan, do you make, do you just chalk the season up to kind of a strange practice, glorified practice season and, and take the learning that you've been learning or, you know, gaining? Yeah, I think that's kind of, a growing sentiment in the Pac-12. I know there was kind of that element going into the year, knowing that they were only going to play seven games. Um, but especially with what has kind of happened over the last couple of days with these seventh games being scheduled and then all of the fluctuations with the, the conference championship game, I think a lot of fan bases are just like, you know what, this season is just kind of a joke at this point. We're just going to, we're going to be glad that we got the experience that we did and we're going to move on and, and not buy in a whole lot to the good or the bad that comes out of this year and just, and just get ready for what we hope to be a better 2021 season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, since there was no spring and kind of a, a different fall, this felt more like a, you know, a, a ramped up fall, you know, practice where they got some actual live live playing time. Um, but yeah, so strange UCLA and Oregon state are the only two teams in the PAC 12 that actually played all their games. That's and wild. Oregon State's the only one that didn't have any rescheduled. Yes, yes. Isn't that crazy? It's, crazy. it's pretty wild. But it um, says a lot about the uh, the culture of, of this yeah. program, you know? Jonathan Smith runs a tight ship, and these guys and the have captains. bought in. And, and yeah. yeah, and there's great leadership on this team, and they, they take this stuff seriously. So what's going to be interesting, though, I think, is, and I asked Coach Smith this today in the press conference, because we've seen it all over the country, teams say opting out of any bowl games or um, the, the COVID fatigue is what I've been calling it. Just that they're just tired. These, these players have had to ride the emotion of no season, a season, no season, a season, changing everything from when they practice to how they practice to wearing masks all the time, being tested at early morning times, getting up to be tested so that they can practice. Um, they've been put through a lot. Um, how important is it, do you think, now for Coach Smith in this offseason to try to create some fun outside of football team building for this for the program? Yeah, you know, that's a big element that I hadn't really thought about before, but you bring up a pretty solid point there with the fatigue. I think obviously everybody in the world is kind of tired of everything that we've had to go through the last 10 or so months, but especially in the context of college football and especially in the Pac-12 too. Um, it's just, it's been a long couple of months and I think getting morale back is, is big for any team and for any person where we're at in the world right now, but especially for Oregon State, having lost a bunch of these close games and, you know, feeling like you're so close to, to kind of breaking the trend and, and getting into that upper echelon of the conference 
to come up just short, that adds another element to the morale. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough challenge for the coaches to keep everybody on the same page going forward. But like I said, this team is bought in. There's a great culture in Corvallis. And I think if there's a guy that can do it, it's Jonathan Smith. Yeah. I, I just, I see this off season. I think, you know, I think these players are excited to potentially be able to go home and just see their families um, and get a little break. And hopefully when they get back, they can be rested and, and ready to go and, and do some fun things that maybe are not all football related. So speaking of football, big day coming up on Wednesday, it is national signing day, the early signing period, which um, if you haven't followed recruiting, um, I know February, the first Wednesday in February has always been Christmas for, for football fans, but um, a few years ago, they went ahead and had an early signing, added an early signing period like they do in basketball. And it's kind of taken a, a spot. It's kind of the big signing day now. You know, a lot of kids want, want to just get the recruitment out of the way, shut down and and uh, sign in December, the third Wednesday in December. This signing day, um, not as eventful as some. It's um, really, we're not expecting any surprises, but I thought Carter would be kind of nice just to run through the list of who who we're expecting to sign. Um, you know, Beaver Blitz on Wednesday, it's gonna be a fun morning, fun day. Um, we've touched base with these guys. We always do our get to know features. And then throughout the next couple of weeks, we um, break down film, we talk to their high school coaches and um, give you just a, an inside, more of an inside look at what the players are, you know, what kind of players Oregon State is getting. Um, and if you're not a member, those, those stories will all be VIP. So you'll want to, uh, to get the latest scoop. You wanna make sure that you are a member at Beaver Blitz and we are offering a 60% off promo just through Wednesday night for signing day. It's our signing day promo. Sign up, it's uh, give yourself a Christmas present um, give your parents or your best friend a Christmas present. And then you also get access to the entire 24 seven network, which if you're not a member, that alone is worth its price for admission. Not only do you get amazing Beaver coverage from Carter and the rest of the Beaver Blitz team, but Carter, you've been on checking out Oregon's page today. It's been quite active with the talk of Mario Cristobal being a, a front runner at Auburn. There's um, a, there's a lot of good, a lot of good conversation that goes on on some of those other boards. I was I was kind of following along on Arizona's page during the uh, the Territorial Cup. I've been following along Oregon's board throughout the season just because they've had a lot of uh, storylines over there, and it is really entertaining. And there's a lot of good content on those sites too. If if you're just a Pac-12 fan in general, yeah, best best Pac-12 site family of sites that you'll find on any network. Um, great publishers. I've, I've worked with some of these guys for 15 years. Um, we've come over from the competition and, and we've stuck together and, um, and then the ones that were already at 24 seven have embraced us. And it's a, it's a really fun group that we work with um, in the PAC 12. And, and you can also read any other 24 seven site as well, but lots of uh, interesting content, a lot of interesting message board posts that you'll be able to read as a member, but Carter, we'll just run through um, kind of who we expect to sign. I'm expecting nine uh, signees on Wednesday. No surprises as of right now, but you know, if I hear anything, definitely it will be posted in the lodge. Um, number one on the list is running back Demir Collins out of Portland Jefferson. He is the number seventh ranked all-purpose back in the country, number three ranked player in Oregon. I don't know. Have you seen his film? Yeah, he's he's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, you, you look and I... 
Jamar Jefferson has not said one way or the other, whether he's coming back or, or declaring for the draft, but you have to think that that's weighing heavily on him uh, going pro this year. Um, so bringing in another top-notch running back and Demir's one that had offers from everybody big time. He he's got vision. He's got speed, a little tidbit, his coach Houston Lillard told me that he can also throw the football over 50 yards. So got it, got an arm on him real quiet lead by example type guy. So, um, and, I'm, and an all purpose back that, you know, if, if you need put him out in the slot and make some plays downfield. I mean, this is, this is a versatile guy who's, who's fast. He's got some strength. Uh, like I said, he's, he's fun to watch. So if you haven't seen the film, go check it out. Cause, uh, electric. Yeah, he's electric. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next player, um, that I just want to bring up, I, I know the staff is super excited about him is inside linebacker Easton Mascarenas out of mission Viejo. He is the number 21 ranked inside linebacker in the country and number 37th overall ranked player in the state of California. Easton's brother is Achille Arnold. And, um, you know, this is a kid that had other PAC 12 offers and, um, big hitter. His, his question and answer that he sent me is gold. You guys are going to love it. Um, super thoughtful kid, very thoughtful in his answers. And, uh, I I, hearing from his coach, he's a great leader too. I don't, I don't know if you've seen all these films, Carter, but um, Easton's one. I I'm excited for him to get with Trent Bray and just see him develop. Yeah, he's one of the guys I'm most excited about in this class too, along with Demir and a couple of the other guys. Just just because I think he he fits that kind of Oregon State prototypical. You know, he's going to come in, he's going to do his work, and he's going to execute at a high level. He plays in a position group that we've seen guys come in right away and have success at. Um, and I expect, honestly, I expect him to come in and make an impact fairly early, just based off of, you know, what I've heard from the, uh, our recruiting analysts at 24 seven, you know, they're really high on him. Um, go onto his recruiting page and just, and read some of the stuff that, that has been said about this kid. It's, it's impressive. And I can't wait for him to get here. Yeah, he, and both now, both him and Demir too, for the, the people that like to stargaze and star watch, right there in the composite rankings at, you know, 88, 89. So right there on that verge of being four-star. So uh, Demir is a four-star according to 24-7, but the composite ranking that takes in other account, other services has him, but both right there on the cusp. So very high ranked three-star. Another player I'm excited about, and this guy's coming in early and, uh, I, I like his moxie. I like his, his swagger is quarterback Sam Vidlak out of Grants Pass. This kid, he plays like he is the shit, <laughs> but I have no other way to say it that he's got some swagger. And, you know, he kind of flew under the radar for a little bit. I, I think when he committed, um, a lot of people were like, who is this kid? And then as the film started to kind of get dissected by some of these recruiting analysts. And as we kind of started to, you know, figure out a little bit more who he is um, it's becoming apparent that he can really play. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's at a small school, so he didn't get a ton of attention until, until he uh, committed Oregon state, but yeah, he's going to surprise a lot of people, I think. Yeah. So Oregon state had some offers out to some higher ranked guys and they, you know, we're in it with uh, Garrett Nussmeyer out down in Texas who ended up committing to LSU, but Oregon State was in with him for a while, five-star kid. Um, they had a couple guys that were maybe ranked a little higher, but after um, Brian Lindgren had seen, I mean, he's seen Sam, but he saw him a little more film, 
got to know him a little better and he became their top target. So um, this was a guy that they liked what they saw. He's 6'2", 184 right now. Um, and Oregon State liked what they saw. And Sam, like I said, had been to campus before. He's a local kid, um, understands what Oregon State's about. And I think it's a, a great fit for the, for the Beavers. Another one I'm super excited about you have to watch his film. And if you are followed, if you follow me on Twitter, he's up for a Texas high school player award as well. Wide receiver, Jimmy Valson. This was a guy that was identified really early in the process by coach Hinson and uh, James Rogers, who is kind of working behind the scenes, but has some Texas connections, obviously. Jimmy Valson. Okay. You've heard me bang the drum that Oregon State needs some taller receivers. I, I, no offense to those five, six guys, but when you look at Stanford, you see where the height is, is a good thing. Jimmy Valson's list at 6'3", 180, um, number, the 124th top prospect in Texas um, out of a good size school, Arlington, Texas, Bowie. Have you, Carter, you've seen this kid, right? Yeah, I haven't really watched a whole lot of the film, but I, his, his, his structure and kind of the balance of speed and quickness that he has, I think is going to get him strength. on the field right away. Yeah. 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 I see no, him this, is the, this is the kind of guy that, that can come in and, and make an impact right away. Like we've seen from Zariah Beeson this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. These I, guys, I mean, Belson has, has the height advantage on Beeson, but to me, they're very similar. Um, but a good compliment to each other. Right. I mean, it's right. Like, you know, you, you get, I don't know. I, I love this kid's film. I I've loved what we've seen. Um, and like I said, Oregon State offered him last year. So this was before COVID struck, before all of that, Oregon State was on him and has really done a good job building these relationships. And I, I know that's the big, you know, you hear it all the time, but relationships is, is where this game is at. And especially with this staff, I think Coach Smith has really made an emphasis that he would, he had, he wants, and it goes back to the Chris Peterson, my kind of guy, our kind of guy but he definitely has a, a type of a player in mind that he's looking for. Not only a great athlete, but a, a solid person who's going to, you know, team first mentality. Um, and I love that from Jimmy. Um, and, and the next one as well, tight end, we've seen Oregon State really go deep for 6'6", 238 out of Carmel, California, JT Byrne. Another strong physical tight end who will be able to run, catch, block. Uh, again, like his film a ton. Yeah, this position's been kind of a point of emphasis for Coach Smith and his staff, and they've used the guys that they have on campus really well. Uh, we're seeing it with with Tegan Cotoriano and um, Luke Musgrave already, but some of the guys they've brought in and continue to bring in at the tight end position are just going to bolster that depth and, and give them playmaking moving forward for years to come. So I love that they're making an emphasis of going out and recruiting guys at tight end every single year because it's it's one of those difference-making positions. You know, if you have really good tight ends, that shows up because it gives you another option down in the in the red zone, helps in blocking. Having having big, strong tight ends who can also make plays downfield is one of those really valuable things on offense that I think gets overlooked a little bit. Definitely, definitely gets overlooked. Like I said, Stanford has done a good job over the years of really capitalizing on that. Um, and that's, you know, that's JT has said that he's excited to play Cal and Stanford because be like a homecoming for him and um defensive line is a is a huge emphasis and I, I think we see the beavers go heavy heavy transfer portal but they do have a commitment from defensive end omarian faamo out of salt lake city 
Um, this he actually had the luxury of playing a season this year. Salt Lake West played a season. Um, they made the playoffs. Um, another solid, solid player. I think he might have been a little overlooked in that I think some people thought he was a mission, was mission bound and wouldn't be available for a couple years, but he is actually enrolling early um, and will be in campus in January along with Sam Vidlak. So I didn't mention that, but those two are both coming in early. But a defensive Andy, 6'2", 255. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much weight he can put on and, and where they see him fitting. Yeah, we know right. Oregon State needs needs a lot of help on the defensive line. And I, I think you mentioned this, the, the fact that he was able to play a season this year at the high school level is big because that's not something that everybody's gotten to do. And I think that momentum that you can carry over from actually getting to play um, is going to be big in, in developing. Yeah, I mean, think about he has a leg up to, you know, <clears throat> 60, 70% of, the other freshmen coming in that have not played or 90%, you know, West coast, especially, um, cornerback. They did take a DB. They're taking a, a corner six to 170 pound Arnez Madison. This is a player. I don't know a ton about, um, he's been hard to reach coaches have been hard to reach, but, um, it was one that was identified fairly early from coach blue. Um, again, long, he has length and, uh, as they, they look to kind of build that, uh, DB room out. And then last but not least, Henry Buckles, um, a 6'2", 285 offensive guard out of Hood River. So local guy, he trains with Alex Linenkohl, former Oregon State Center up in Portland. And um, I'm excited. I mean, what makes me excited about him is just the fact that I think he's a hard worker and, I, and he's just so dang excited to be a beaver. Yeah, I mean, anytime you, anytime you can get help on the offensive line, it's it's a good thing. And you know, I, we've been really high on Coach Mihalicek and his ability to not only identify talent, but also to develop it. Um, and and I'm going to trust him on whoever he brings in because he's been he's really transformed that group over the last two years. And, you know, I, I think he has a great vision for where this group is going. And you mentioned it, you know, Buckles is he's a hard worker and he's somebody who's going to over time develop into one of those guys who can can fill a hole on that line. And I think he's going to be a, a big part of the line moving forward. Yeah. And that's, that's something interesting to talk about too, because I do, I trust what coach Mahalachek is doing so much so that, you know, Oregon state had a commitment. It was a, a returning missionary, uh, Sione Bacoso, who um, we don't believe will sign with Oregon state offensive lineman, just because I think Oregon state has been able to pivot a little bit in their needs after seeing how Josh Gray has developed they're seeing how some of these guys that they brought in last year um, are, are developing and they love the future of their linemen they brought in. So it's not quite as big a need as I think they first thought initially. Um, but one missionary that is coming back and we expect to sign and be here in early uh, January, late December is Simisi Saluni. He was part of the 2018 class, 2017, 2017 class, um, 2018. Um, 2018 would be two years ago. Okay. 2018. He was part of the 2018 class. Um, and he's that long outside linebacker, six, four, 235 right now. Um, excited to see him of, of what he can do. Cause it's that length edge rusher that, uh, where, where you're looking for a guy that maybe be a, a down lineman or a linebacker. So, um, he's got speed, 
and uh, it'll be interesting to see how he how he grows with the program. Pretty pretty solid grew. Like I said, it's we're not expecting any huge surprises, but um, the other you know thing that I think we need to watch really closely that it's going to be even more important in the next week week or two. I, I've seen today the transfer portal is blowing up with guys all over the the country. Gosh, Utah has had like four guys enter today. Um, I do expect Oregon State to have some guys enter. Some might surprise people, but I also see them taking some guys. So the old, the transfer portal giveth and taketh away. Um, nothing concrete quite yet, but I do expect that to, to come into play here in the next week or two. Or did you pay attention to the transfer portal? Yeah, and you know, obviously over the last couple of years, Oregon State has had that net positive in the transfer portal that you look for. You hope to bring in talent that, um, you know, you hope to have a, an influx of, of positive talent from the transfer portal. You want to bring in more starters than you lose, essentially, is kind of the goal there. And that's exactly what Jonathan Smith and his staff have done the last couple of years. And this is obviously a really crazy year. Um, there's going to be a lot more activity in the transfer portal than normal, especially if the NCAA does approve the uh, one-time transfer rule where you're eligible right away. I think that's going to open the floodgates this year if if that is if that is really a reality. And um, I, I think Oregon State has been one of the bigger beneficiaries of the transfer portal since it was kind of developed. And I mean, they're just there are some pretty obvious holes on this team that I think the coaching staff is fully aware of, and they're going to look to the transfer portal first. Yeah, I like you said. The Beavers have been huge beneficiaries of the transfer portal. I mean, gosh, look at, I mean, don't need to name them all, but um, a, lot, a large number of those starters have been transfer portal guys. So it'll be interesting to see what what shakes out here in the next week or two. Um, you know, you've played sports. I know we've had some discussions with, um, you played basketball and uh, one of your old basketball coaches, we've had some discussions with him. I think it's really interesting when you start looking at potentially year three or after year three, do you start to see some of Gary Anderson's guys leave in favor of Smith kind of bringing in his own guys? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it's been one of those interesting kind of conversations that we've, that you and I have had throughout this season. It's, it's just the fact that with most rebuilds, you see kind of an exodus of players in year one, in year one and year two. Um, as the coaching staff kind of develops their direction and, and brings in their guys and, you know, kind of develops this culture. Um, and that never really happened with Jonathan Smith. A lot of those guys stayed. I know there was some attrition in the secondary and I, I mean, really it was kind of limited to just yeah. the secondary really. So um, I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to go out and predict that a bunch of guys are going to leave, but it, it is interesting that it hasn't happened yet to a big extent, but I think now as more of these Smith type guys are getting more and more playing time, this would be more of a chance where you could see some of that start to happen. Yeah. So just something to keep an eye on. Like I said, we're not saying I do expect there'll be, I mean, there are always those guys, there are, are always guys that decide to leave after a season. I think this year might just like we talked about the COVID fatigue and just kind of the it's been a long year. It's been a long year for everybody. So I, I think we might see some because of that, just wanting to get closer to home or, or do something, you know, a little different, see more playing time, see, you know, 
but um, something definitely to watch. But I am so excited for signing day. I'm excited for the ASU game this weekend. I, you can say all you want about the Beavers not being able to get over the hump, but I do see a team that's getting better. And this is a way better team than what we saw even week one, but it's a way better team than what we saw in year one of Coach Smith. So um, sometimes these growing pains are hard. We're seeing that. And I'll be first to say I, I can be negative sometimes, and you should hear me watching the game. Holy smokes. But at the same time, if you can't see the improvement, then – we need to coach you up on some football because they're, they're improving in a lot of ways. Carter, it's been awesome talking with you. Um, we will be back next week to recap the, hopefully an Arizona state win. I mean, an Oregon state win over Arizona state. That sounded mm -hmm. weird, but um, hopefully we're back talking about a win. And uh, like I said, join us at Beaver Blitz. It's going to be hopping on Wednesday. I'll be up early with my coffee because I expect, especially Valson will be signing he'll be sending his stuff in early. Um, so we'll be raring to go and uh, lots of discussion throughout the day. And like I said, into next week, I have a whole content. Carter and I talked about it last week, the content plan heading into the Christmas holiday, and we have lots of good stuff planned. 